Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. I want you to turn, I want you to turn with me for just a few minutes over to Joshua, the 24th chapter. This is kind of a, a familiar passage, especially on, on a day like Father's Day. But there is something here I want to say and, uh, and some things I want to bring out before uh, I go in a different direction. Hallelujah. Joshua 24. <clears throat> you know, Joshua had led the children of Israel uh, across the Jordan and in to take the promised land. And before Joshua took the helm, so to speak, the leadership, uh, Moses had died and the Lord appeared to Joshua and said, I will be with you just like I was with Moses. Well, you know, that's a hard act to follow. I said Moses would be a hard act to follow. But the Lord told Joshua, he said, I will be with you just like I was with Moses. And he said, no one will be able to stand before you all of the days of your life. He said, nobody will be. In other words, no opposition, no, uh, no enemy will be able to successfully oppose you. They will not even be able to stand before you. And uh, Joshua was a, was a man of great faith. And he made this statement. He said in verse 15 of Joshua 24, he, he's speaking to the whole host of, of the children of Israel. And he said, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord... Choose for, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This verse, this, this, those words, this last part of this verse, uh, is one of those uh, portions of scriptures that ends up in artwork. It ends up on, in posters, framed on people's walls, uh, people, you know, what do you call the stitching? They cross-stitch it, you know, into things, uh, refrigerator magnets, I mean, bumper stickers, just one of those, those verses. But you know, if we're not careful, we can take statements like this as, as little more than just positive declarations. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But you know, for Joshua, this wasn't just a word of, of, uh, of hope. It wasn't a word of just being positive. You know, positive thinking has, has a certain amount of power. Positive thinking and positive words have a certain amount of effect even in the lives of unbelievers, if they'll employ thinking and acting and speaking positively, it will, it will have a positive effect in their lives. But a lot of times people misunderstand uh, or, or they make a connection between positive thinking and positive talking and the positive speech and speaking of faith. There's a big difference between speaking words of faith there's a big difference between that and just positive thinking and positive talking. 
Positiveness in the natural operates on natural power. And psychology and, and uh, if you create a certain mood with people, people will unconsciously respond in the same way. And so salesmen know that if they, if they approach people in a very positive way, in a very uh, uh, excited, energetic way, it tends to, to, to create that and elicit that same kind of response. The, the bold statement of faith that comes from a believer's mouth is far more powerful than in the natural. It operates on spiritual power based on the word of God. It's not the positiveness of it that causes things to change. It's the power of God that responds when we speak in faith in the word of God. For Joshua, this was a statement of faith for him. It wasn't a statement of bravado. Who me, Joshua, you house. It wasn't, he wasn't just being bold and being the man of the house. This is where it's going to be my way or the highway. That's not what he was doing. He was speaking his faith. Joshua was the man, you know, whenever, whenever they, they crossed over uh, into Jordan and, and took some of the cities some of the, uh, of the uh, various kings of the Amorites got together and they said, you know, we're, we need to go up and, and attack uh, 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 Gideon because they, or, or Gilgal, which, whichever one it was. Uh, they, had, they had joined in league with Israel. And so the Amorites said, we're going to go up and attack them because they're taking city after city after city. Well, the Lord told Joshua... Not, no one will be able to stand before you. So the Bible says that Joshua took his armies at once and went out and came upon, came upon these five kings and their armies suddenly. And they began to slay them and began to defeat them. And, and the Bible says that they, that they put them on the run. They began to chase them. They are, all of these armies of these five kings ran for their lives. And so Joshua and, and the army of God, they ran after them and began to kill them. But the, but the armies were going down a hill, down a hill and, and the day was wearing on. And the Bible says that God began to rain hailstones out from heaven and killed them, killed those, those uh, fleeing armies with the hailstones and said that more of them were killed with the hailstones than were killed with the swords of the Israelites. But you know, they're getting away and, and the day is, is, going, is growing on and they knew if they got uh, into the woods, if they got into the wilderness and night fell, that some of them would get away. But the Lord told Joshua, not one man will stand before you. So Joshua turns and in the hearing of the nation of Israel, he didn't go off in a corner somewhere, but in the, in the hearing of the people, he said, son, stand still. Moon, stand still. What kind, of, what kind of person does that? I mean, what kind of man speaks to the sun and to the moon and commands it to stand still? He did. And when he did, it stood still. The sun, the Bible says the sun and the moon stood still. And they were able to continue to pursue their enemies because the sun didn't go down. 
And they continued to pursue them until every single one of them were destroyed. Joshua knew something about faith. What he's, when he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, that wasn't, that wasn't just a, 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 a positive thinking. That wasn't just a good, hopeful wish. This was a statement of faith. He declared that as for himself and his house. Now, he said, I can't control your house. I can't control what goes on in your house, but I can control what goes on in my house. And he said, as, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, Joshua's older. This was toward the end of Joshua's career. Joshua is not necessarily a young man now. He doesn't necessarily have little children on his knee. He has grown children, more than likely grandchildren at this point. And he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Parents need to know and dads need to know that it has been put into your hand what will happen in your house. Will your house serve the Lord or will they not? A lot of people have the idea, well, you know, you do your best with your children. You try to raise them right. You try to get them, in, you know, keep them in church and, and just, you know, kind of keep your fingers crossed. That's not what Joshua believed. He said, as for me and my house. You know, the Bible records this statement in a favorable way. This verse isn't, isn't recorded in, in such a way that it indicates that God was displeased. It's recorded in a way that that is obvious that when he said this, that God was pleased with it and God was in it or else it wouldn't have been recorded for us. Well, if, if, if it's in it and he said it and God honored it, it must be scriptural. There must be, what I'm saying is there must be a biblical base. There must be a biblical basis for saying such a thing. Can a parent... Believe God and exercise faith and make a declaration that, that not only for themselves but their whole household will be saved? Yes. I said yes. You better do it. Parents must do it. You know, it, it's a matter of, of faith on the parents' part. I know I knew when my children were growing up, when they came along, I knew that my children uh, would one day reach the age of accountability. I knew that my children one day, each of them on their own, would reach a point where they recognized right from wrong. Not just as a little toddler, you know, disobeying mom and dad and getting his hands spanked. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about moral right. I knew that both of my children would come to a point individually in their lives when they would recognize that there's a moral obligation to do right and they would recognize sin in their life and they'd recognize their need of a savior. I knew they would come to that point but I also knew they'd make the right choice. I also knew that they would choose to make Jesus their Lord and their savior. I knew they would do it and I knew they would do it early and I knew that they would live for God all of their life. Now that doesn't mean that there weren't some times along the way when they were growing up that the enemy tempted and tried to distract them and tried to lead them astray. And they, each one as they were growing up, they had times in their lives where, where, the, where they had some decisions to make and, and the world was pulling on them. But I knew they'd make the right decision. 
I knew it because I said it. I said, I knew it because I said it. Can a man say that? Yes. Can a father say that? Yes. Can a mother say that? Absolutely. And can you be confident that God will honor? See, God, each one of my sons had to, had to uh, exercise their own faith in God. I knew that. I knew that wasn't something I could do for them. But I knew that my faith could be and would be the basis for leading them to that decision. And so I declared it when they were young. And, and, when I, and when I said it, I never went back on it. And I never, I never struggled. I never worried. I see parents sometimes that just tend to be, you know, in, in fear and, and, and worry. They don't know what's going to happen to their children. Are they going to do right? Are they going to live right? Are they going to turn out right? I never questioned that. Not one day. Not one day. Because I had made a stand in faith that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And there was never, once I made that stand of faith, there was never a day that I doubted that my children would stand uh, right before God and serve God. I never, 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 never. Why? Because I said it in faith. Parents need to understand that you have a tremendous place in shaping your children's spiritual life. Not just their natural life, but their spiritual life. Amen. How, how we, what we believe, it has to be the basis for what we do. I said what we believe has to be the basis for what we do. See, I not only said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I not only believed my children would turn out right, I acted in such a way that, that, that uh, they, they, I led them, put it this way, I led them in the right way. Now, that doesn't mean I did everything right. Listen, parents, you, you're not going to do everything right. Uh, but, you know, thank God for the grace of God. God responds to faith. He doesn't respond to perfection. He doesn't need perfection. He needs faith. And, and so I did the things that were necessary. Having made my stand in faith, I did the things that were necessary to make sure that my children turned out right. And, and that involved living right. So that involved living right. That involved setting an example before them of not just having a, not just agreeing with the Bible. A lot of parents have their children in church and they endorse the doctrines of the Bible. If a discussion comes up or some situation comes up in life, a lot of times they'll use those uh, uh, situations in life to reinforce certain, certain biblical truths. We need to do that. I did that. But there's nothing that takes the place of a parent actively living for God every day as a, as an, as a, uh, a normal, everyday function of life. See, our kids, our kids saw that the things of God were central 
in our lives. It wasn't just something we did at church. It wasn't something we just talked about at church. It wasn't something we just practiced at church. I, in, in some ways, I'm, I'm thankful that my wife and I, and, and, and I'm thankful that it's this way in general, when you're, when you're younger in, in life, when you're a younger married couple, when you have small children, when you're raising a family, there are a lot of demands on everyday life. As you get older and your children leave home, the, the demands on you are different. But when you're young uh, and, you're, and you're raising a family and you're, and you're trying to live for God, there are so many things that come against you raising your children. There are financial pressures. There are uh, uh, temptations to compromise with this world. You know, your, your children come to you and all the other kids are doing this and all the other kids are doing that and you have to take your stand. There are all of these places where, where, where your, your family, your little ones see that you keep a steady course, that you don't bend, that you don't give in, that you're not phased. You know, Joshua made this statement, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He said that in the, uh, within the culture of, of a lot of ungodliness. There were heathens all around them. Some people live in fear that their children will be drawn by the world, drawn away from God. I determined in my house that we would live victoriously over the world, that we would reign over the circumstances in life. And I, I determined that I would demonstrate in my home the, the benefit of being saved versus the benefits of, of following the world, that salvation and living for God were better, that God did better for his children, that we could do more. Now, it, it, and a lot of times it didn't look like it was working. I remember when my kids were, were very young, when we first went into the ministry, I had had a decent job, you know, a, a good paying job and, and, uh, my wife didn't have to work. You know, we did, we did, we were comfortable. And then when we went into the ministry, uh, all of that income came to an end. And now, we, you know, we're having to believe God for, for gas money to get to and from the meeting, you know. And sometimes we, we'd come into town and we lived out in the country and got in Gilchrist County and we would drive into High Springs and the, 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 uh, the gas was so low in the car. And I knew that, that, this service wasn't the service when I was going to get any money because we had, you know, other bills to pay. My money was in, you know, would come to me after the next service, whatever was left over. And I remember times we would cruise into, into High Springs from out in Gilchrist County and I would purposely take my foot off the gas and let the car, you know, kind of idle and come up to, to the, I know this isn't legal, but I did it, come up to the, to the stop signs and I would kind of just, you know, kind of cruise through the stop sign and then accelerate very gently because I knew rapid stopping and starting used more gas and I didn't know if I had enough gas to get back. I knew I had to get to the church, I had to get back again to the house and then I had to get back into town again and I'm telling you there are a lot, did I do that? There are times we just cruised, you know, up, up to, to the stop sign, looked both ways and hoping there wasn't a policeman, you know, cruised on through because we, I just didn't know if I stopped and started, we'd, we'd have gas to get there. And I told my children, I said, when in the early days, I said, now I'm going to tell you something. You know, before at Christmas, they got everything they asked for. 
Of course, I raised kids that had intelligence. They didn't ask for crazy stuff, but they, you know, they, they, they got nice stuff for Christmas. But, uh, you know, I, I got them together. And I said, you know what? We're going into the ministry. And I, and I included them as in, in this. We're all as a family. I wanted them to see that they had a part. I said, we're going into the ministry. And I said, you know, there might be a, a, a short time where things are tighter. Then it's not going to be like it used to be right at first. I said, but I remember saying, I said, but you stay with me. Continue to believe God. Now, of course, you know, we didn't go to them with our bills. They didn't know when we were facing crisis or anything like that. But just generally speaking, I said, you stay with your dad and mom, believe God, and, and serve God faithfully. I said, the day will come. God will make it up more abundantly than you can imagine. It'll come back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running up, and he's done that. He's done that in my children's lives. Because of that, they never, I, I never detected ever a sense from either of my sons that they kind of uh, resented anything. Now, sometimes they didn't like the un, un, uh, uh, unreasonable expectations of people, you know, in the church that put, put, you know, requirements on them that they didn't put on other people. You know, sometimes they didn't like that, but they, even then they didn't complain a lot. But as far as, as making sacrifices to live for God, my sons never complained. We were in it as a family. And they saw us believing God. They saw us believing God for food. We, we had a lady in our church one time that she raised rabbits to, to kill and eat. They just liked rabbits. And she raised them and she would bring us rabbits already dressed out, Angela had never cooked a rabbit in her life. She learned to, uh, what did you do, stew? Rabbit stew. She learned to make rabbit stew, and we were so glad to get it because, you know, that, 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 was, that meant whether we were going to eat or not. At least two days. At least two days. Good rabbit stew would last two days for four people, you know. And our children grew up a part of, they, were, they didn't just see us believe God, they were part of it. Now, they didn't have as active a role as, 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 you know, Pastor Angela and I did. It was our responsibility, but we intentionally made them a part, made them feel a part, and they were a part of it. Having your children, raising your children to partner with you in the things of God, is so important. Not just putting, not just putting upon them an obligation to live a certain way, and making it be all about them being different from the world and making sure they don't mess up. We 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 made them a, a part of our lives, and so it was just the ordinary thing in our lives, you know, to to be trusting God. We were trusting God all the time. Amen. Huh? Yeah, I shot an armadillo one time and ate it. I did. Now, I didn't do that because I was hungry. I just did that for fun. I had heard people say they were good. They lied. Armadillo does not taste like chicken. Now, this was back before, you know, they, they say now they carry leprosy. I don't know. This was, this was 30-something years ago. I don't know. But, uh, but uh, you know, we, we, I remember I, I bought Greg a, a, a bicycle. I built Greg a bicycle for Christmas one year. I couldn't afford a brand new bicycle. 
He wanted, he had his eyes on this certain bicycle. I found a, a, an older bicycle that I stripped down and I put new, this was when those mag rims were real popular, those uh, heavy mag rims. I put new mag wheels on it, new knobby tires, new handlebars, seat. I mean, I, I fixed, I spray painted it. I, you know, scraped it all down, got all the rust off it, spray painted, fixed it up. I tell you what, that was a nice bike. People at school envied that bike. How many times was that bike stolen from you? <laughs> that one never got stolen. It was another one. Oh, okay, okay. That one didn't get stolen. His another one got stolen. But uh, but he loved that bike. It was a fine bike. God always provided, and our and our kids saw that we put him first, and they learned to do the same thing. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, parents, dads. Live your faith in front of your kids every day. Not as, I didn't do that, you know, sort of as an agenda so that they could, you know, I just purposely let them see me. That wasn't part, we, we just lived that as a lifestyle, as a family, just as a family. And, and they learned to live that way and they saw results in our lives. Our, our lives just kept coming up, coming up, coming up, coming up. Just blessings just kept coming on, praise God. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, glory to God. Let's stand up for a minute. Hallelujah. 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 I also taught my sons to be led by the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of things. I had a, I had a real uh, kind of lengthy uh, uh, Father's Day message today and had a lot of different points that I didn't get to. But one of the points was that... Uh, you know, I, I taught my children to be led by the Holy Spirit. That's what I had been taught, to be led by the Spirit. Well, I have to be led by the Spirit in church. Amen. I had my Father's Day message all prepared, and the Lord said, I want you to have a healing service this morning. So, uh, but he gave me the, the, I said, well, Lord, can I, can I cover these scriptures? And I, he said, yeah, you can go over the basics, just the first set, you know, first point. He let me do that. I had permission. But then he said, I want you to, I want you to, 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 uh, to have a healing service. Hallelujah. Listen, I, I don't know where everybody's from today. We have some visitors here. But you need to know. You can go ahead and sit down. I just wanted you to stretch yourself a little bit. Yeah, y'all stay up there. You're good. <laughs> I, wanted, I, wanted, uh, I want you to know that it's God's will to heal you. If there's anything wrong with you physically, it's not from God. God didn't send it. <clears throat> He's not, quote unquote, permitting it. He has nothing to do with it whatsoever. Sickness does not come from God. God doesn't use sickness to teach us things. That's not how he works. If you look in the Bible... When God created man, he was perfectly well. In the Garden of Eden, there was no sickness, no disease, no uh, lack of anything that he needed. It was only as sin entered into the world that people started getting sick. Sickness is part of the curse of sin. Now, I'm not saying it's the curse necessarily of something you've done. It might be, it might not be. But sickness in the world is a result of the entrance of sin into the world. And the Bible says that sin uh, and spiritual death passed down to all men for all have sinned. 
Scripture says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because of the, of the uh, predominance of sin in the world, that's where sickness came from. You see it in the, in, the, in the Garden of Eden, no sickness at all. If you look at heaven in the final uh, uh, condition of man, no sickness at all. Well, what's the difference between the two? The reign of sin. Yeah. It's not God's will that people be sick. Amen. Go with me over to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. I hope you have your Bible. If you don't, look on with somebody. I want you to read this for yourself. Matthew, the 8th chapter. Matthew chapter 8. Hallelujah. In verse number 16, it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. Does demon possession still happen? Absolutely. They brought to him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. That quote there where it says it is written by the prophet Isaiah this is taken from the, from the 53rd chapter of Isaiah talking about the Messiah that he himself took our sicknesses and carried our pains. It says here, he bore our infirmities. Isn't that right? He took our infirmities and bore our sickness. God placed upon Jesus all of the curse of sin. All of the sins of mankind were placed upon Jesus and he bore them away. Now, are people still living in sin? Absolutely. But it's not because God's involved in it. It's not because God hasn't made a remedy. He has made a remedy. Amen? His precious blood has been poured out and any person can live free from sin. Well, by the same token, it says he himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. Because you see, sickness and infirmity is part of the curse, part of the consequence of sin. And he not only bore sin on the cross, he bore its consequences. And so because of that, not only can you be free from sin, you can be free from sickness. It's God's plan. It's God's provision for you to be free from sickness and disease. It's interesting here that in verse number 16, it says that... uh, when they had come, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. If you read this same story, you know, Matthew tells it, Mark tells it, and Luke tells it. Same story. If you read it in Mark and Luke, you'll notice that the whole city turned out. Everybody in the town was there. And it says that they brought to him all who were sick. That means every sick person in town turned out. All of them. They brought all the sick people. All the demon possessed people. And he delivered and healed them all. Every one of them. Now you know good and well. In a town that size that there would be somebody there that didn't deserve healing. 
You know there were some people in that crowd of sick people who, who were sick because of their sin. You know there were some, you know there, the whole town turned out and all the sick people were there. You know there were some drunkards in that crowd. You know there were some liars in that crowd. There had to be. There's no way around it. Listen, he healed them all. Every single one of them he healed. Why? Because he wanted to demonstrate the love of God to them. He wanted to demonstrate that God sent his son not to condemn men, but to save men. Not only from their sins, but from their sickness, from all of the curse of sin. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.